So we're in week two of our summer series, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Times, and we're studying the book of Proverbs to gain wisdom for life. My challenge to you last week was to just begin to build into the rhythm of your life reading one proverb a day. So, you know, for accountability purposes this morning, how many of you at least attempted to do one proverb a day this week? Raise your hand. All right. Several of you did. All right. Those who didn't, please stand. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) We're going to stone you. No, we're not going to do that. (laughs) We don't do that anymore. The book of Proverbs is a very practical book. It's filled with all kinds of applicable truths. That's why I like it. Uh, I like things short and easy and concise, and Proverbs is filled with them. It's usually a succinct statement that stands in place of a long uh, explanation. It kind of explains a a truth about life and about reality. Uh, Proverbs are really like this small word picture. It's like a snapshot of truth that you get to see. Uh, It's important that we understand that a proverb is not a promise, a promise is a guarantee that this is something that always happens. A proverb is, is something that usually happens, and this is what normally happens in a given situation. But you shouldn't confuse the two, that every proverb is going to happen exactly uh, the way it is. It's, the, it's a general principle of life that this is how things usually happen. So we're going to see here today in our, in our first um, uh, chapter of, of, of Proverbs 1 here that you know, a father is instructing his children not to get drawn into the wrong crowd. And that we want our kids to hang out with the right group of friends, right? Um, maybe you've heard the statement, show me, your, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. And there's a lot of truth to that. The people that you hang out with have a tremendous influence on your life. And so you want to be careful about who you allow to influence you. So we're in Proverbs chapter 1. We'll begin reading in verse 8. Scripture says, listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. My son, if sinful men entice you, do not give in to them. If they say, come along with us, let's lie in wait for innocent blood. Let's ambush some harmless soul. Let's swallow them alive like the grave and whole, like those who go down to the pit. We will get all sorts of valuable things and fill our houses with plunder. Cast lots with us, and we will share the loot. My son, do not go along with them. Do not set foot on their paths. For their feet rush into evil, and they're swift to shed blood. How useless to spread a net where every bird can see it. These men lie in wait for their own blood. They ambush only themselves. Such are the paths of all who go after ill-gotten gain. It takes away the life of those who get it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we open your word this morning, I do pray that you would speak to us, Uh, Father, through the words of Solomon here. Lord, we need wisdom. All of us need wisdom. We need insight. Lord, we know how to live. We need to know how to live this life. And uh, so, Father, I pray that your your Holy Spirit would speak to us today. Just just drive truth into our hearts that we may know what you would have us to do as a time as a result of our time together today. So, Lord, we just dedicate this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So. Solomon starts this particular passage with the word listen. And that's a wonderful word, listen. Uh, You know, how many times 
As a parent, do you say to your kid, listen to me, listen, listen to me. Are you listening to me? Look at me. Look, 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 look. Have you ever said it to your kids? Have you ever, when you're talking to them and their eye, their heads turn this way and you're talking, I'm talking to you, right? And you got to go take their little head and then you turn it so it's looking straight at you. Then what do their eyes do? Their eyes go the wrong direction. You keep spinning them around. It's a crazy thing, you know? Have you ever said this to your kids? Why didn't you listen to me? Didn't I tell you that was going to happen? I really think that's the context here where, where Solomon is writing, writing to his son. He says, listen, listen to me. How many problems in life could we have avoided if we had just listened to our advisors, our coaches, our counselors, our teachers, and our parents? Throughout the book of Proverbs you're going to see this word listen over and over again because a wise person listens to the advice of counselors, whereas fools, well, they go on and they suffer the consequence. So the scenario played out in this passage is warning the son to avoid people who try to lead you into wrong or sinful things. Specifically in this particular context, he's warning them, uh, saying, hey, don't, don't kill innocent people in order to steal their stuff. Now, that's some good wisdom. I've never had to necessarily say that to my kids. Uh, but Solomon felt he had to say it in that particular culture. Don't rob, don't attack, don't, don't kill people just so you can acquire their possessions. And it's still good advice. And as I looked at this passage, I really saw three really good truths that I think uh, it's just good advice for all of us. It kind of jumped out of the, at me this week as I was studying this passage. And uh, so... I think if we would embed these three principles into our life, I think they would really create a pathway of success for us. So if you're following along in the notes, here's point number one, earnestly seek wise counsel. Again, verse eight, listen, my son, to your father's instruction. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. They're a garland of grace to your head and a chain to adore your neck. Your parents don't know everything, but they know something about a lot of things, right? Listen, you know, if you've been a parent for any period of time, you know you don't know it all. You don't get it right all the time. Uh, you know, there's no manual for how you do these things, and so sometimes you don't get it right. But by and large, you do because you've been spinning around on this planet for 20 more years than your child, so you've seen a few more things, so you've got some insight, some wisdom. And so really what Solomon's saying here is, hey, listen to me. I've been around for a while. I've seen a few things. I know a few things. Listen to me. People who stop listening, stop learning. People who stop listening, stop learning. And Proverbs calls a person who stops learning a fool. The wise get wiser and the fools get more foolish. So scripture clearly tells us that we should all be learners. Isn't that what a disciple is? The word disciple means learner. And so we're called to be disciples. We're called to be learners because none of us is wise enough to know what to do in every area of life, right? I don't care how wise you are in certain areas. There are certain other areas where you aren't as wise. So if you're not sure what to do in your financial situation, maybe you would consult a financial advisor. If you don't know what to do uh, with your taxes, maybe you're, you're not sure, you would, you would seek out a CPA. You don't know how to handle a situation in your marriage or with your kids, you would talk to a counselor. If you have some questions about your spiritual life, you would speak with a pastor. 
um, when you want to discover and maybe maximize your life skills, maybe you would uh, enlist a, 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 a life coach to help you. Here's my question. Why is it that we view reaching out for advice as a weakness? Why do we do that when the Bible says over and over again that we should seek out advice? Because seeking out advice is actually a strength. The wisest people that I know understand that they don't know everything. Solomon said this nearly 3,000 years ago. Proverbs 19.20, he said, Listen to advice and accept discipline. And at the end, you will be counted among the wise. I think it's pride that keeps people from seeking advice or counseling or mentoring or coaching. Call it whatever you want. We don't want people to know the fact that we don't have it all figured out. Well, can I just say after 30 years of being a pastor, nobody has it all figured out, okay? It's okay to say I don't know everything and I need a little bit of help. It's okay. Proverbs 12, 15, it says, The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. The fool says, I got this figured out. I'll figure it out. I can do it on my own. I don't need somebody telling me what to do. That's what a fool says. And at the end, if you'll listen to advice, you'll be wise. But the wise, it says, listen to advice in verse 15. So let me ask you something. Who are you allowing into your life to speak wisdom into your life today? Sometimes we think after we hit a certain age, well, we don't need wisdom anymore. We don't need advice anymore. We don't need coaching. We don't need mentoring. And the wisest people that I know were learners up until the very end of their life. They were always reading, always listening, always, always wanting to know from other people. You know, if we... What is the magic number? When, when is it when you no longer need advice? I mean, what, what age is that? that? That you come to the place where you know everything that you can possibly know, that there's nothing else that you really need to know, that you're as smart as you can possibly be. Well, I think we would all say, well, you know, we never really reach that age. That's right. Then that means we should all be looking for people who would give us advice at each particular age and stage of our lives. Listen to what Solomon was saying to his son. He said, earnestly seek wise counsel. Did you know that at Venture Church, we will cover the cost for your first six sessions at Southwest Florida Christian Counseling? If you have a question, you know, maybe an issue in your marriage or maybe an issue with the kids or something like this, and you'd like to speak with a counselor, we will cover... 100% the first six sessions. We'll, we'll invest in your marriage up to $1,000. And then if at the end of that $1,000 you still feel like you need some more, uh, you talk to us and we'll, we'll give you some more. That's how much we are willing to invest in you and it's how much we believe in counseling. We'll spend tens of thousands of dollars this year just resourcing people so that they can get good counsel. So really, the fact that maybe you don't, I, don't have enough, I don't have enough money to go to counseling, we'll cover it for you. So what's your next excuse, you know? So, you know, take advantage of that. This is, this is a great opportunity. So get advice when you need advice. Seek wise counsel, Solomon said. Secondly, carefully select your peer group. 
Verse 15, he says, My son, do not go along with them. Do not set foot on their paths, for their feet rush into evil. They are swift to shed blood. Now, here we're introduced to the metaphor uh, of the path or the way. And we're going to see this throughout the book of Proverbs. Uh, Solomon talks about the way, uh, the way of fools, the way of the wise, the path. And uh, it's just a, a metaphor for life. There are two types. You know, there's the way of the wise and the way of the fool. And uh, the son is being warned to stay off the path of those who are trying to make him complicit uh, with their evil dealings. He's saying, listen, stay off their path. Don't get drawn into their way of thinking and their way of acting. And parents, we, we, we begin to teach our kids this early on, even when we go to kindergarten, right? We go in there for the kindergarten orientation. The other kids are around there and what have you. Then the first day comes and you're ready to send your, your child to school and you, you sit your child down and say, hey, you know, you need to hang around with Johnny because he's a really good kid. But Billy, you need to stay away from Billy. <laughs> Billy's going to get you in trouble. And I just said, if your name's Billy, I'm sorry. I just have noticed mostly Billy's are trouble. So <laughs> just uh, <laughs> sorry, Billy. <laughs> when our teenagers ask for permission to go somewhere, we typically ask them four questions, right? Where are you going? How are you going to get there? What time will you be home? But then here's the one we really want to get to, right? Who else will be there, right? Because we know that who else will be there is probably going to be whether it makes this a good decision or a bad decision. So all throughout school, we try to direct our kids to hang out with good kids, but they don't always listen, right? Does that stop when we get out of high school or when we get out of college? No, it doesn't. Um, the same thing is true when we get older, that the people that we hang with will influence our lives. They'll either enrich you and make you a better person, or they'll lead you down a path that ultimately takes you in a place you didn't intend to go, in a place you never really wanted to go. I've been a pastor now for uh, 30 years. I just The first week of June was my 30-year anniversary as a pastor. Uh, I've seen a few things in 30 years. I've seen good Christian men drawn into shady business deals because they listened to the wrong crowd that were more interested in money than good values and morals and truth. I've seen godly ladies lured into bad situations because they let a few bad influencers affect their decisions. I've seen strong men and women of faith who've been pulled into cults and false religions because they mistook charisma for character, and it hurt them. I've seen good Christian teens walk away from the faith because they started hanging around and listening to others with bad theology that wasn't grounded in the Word of God. I could go on, but my point is this. Regardless of your age, you need to carefully select your peer group. The message of Proverbs here is to avoid associations with evil people. People who, in this particular case, would seek gain at other people's expense. And you've probably seen it. You may have experienced it in your own life. I mean, have you ever given in to peer pressure to do something you shouldn't do? And again, this isn't just a teenage thing. I've seen, I've seen seasoned professionals. You know, I've seen good businessmen leading big organizations that make bonehead decisions because they listen to the wrong people, right? So 
We, we need to not do that. Sometimes we just go along because we don't want to stand out from the crowd. And maybe, maybe this involves not disclosing a known issue because if you do, you won't be able to make as much money so you don't tell the whole truth. Um, these kind of things can, can begin to just become a part of our life. And before long, you end up in a place that, quite frankly, you never thought you would get. So a little later in Proverbs, Solomon gives us, uh, you know, a real succinct proverb to guide our life in, in chapter 12, verse 26. He says, the righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. We've all seen this, haven't we? We've all seen this. It's true at all stages and ages of life. It's true at work. It's true at school. It's true uh, at church. I've seen wicked people lead good people astray for any number of different scenarios. So what are the characteristics of good friends? You know, if, if we're saying avoid, avoid, you know, bad friends or evil friends, then what, what, what do good friends look like? Uh, I want to just give you five quick things to tell you what, what a good friend should look like. Number one, they love you unconditionally. They're not just here for what you can give them or what you can do for them. They're here for the long haul. Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times. So true friends choose uh, to love you because of what they can give to you instead of what they can get from you. And so we, we need people like that that love us unconditionally. We need people that bring out our best. That when we hang with them, we are better people. We make better decisions. We just do better at life when we hang around these people as opposed to these people who tend to pull us in the wrong direction. Third, we, we need people who are happy for our success. And godly friends and great friends, they rejoice at our achievements, at our successes, at our blessings. Romans 12, verse 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. They're happy for you when something good happens in life. They're not, they're, they're, there's not a competition to see who can get further down the road faster. Fourth, they lift you up when you're down. The reality is we all face down times. We all face loss. We all face times when the job didn't go the way we thought the job was going to go, where the, the payout wasn't what we thought the payout was going to be, where the situation with our kid didn't go the way we thought it would, where the, where the words of the doctor uh, weren't the words we were hoping to hear. It's at that point that we need good friends, people that will surround us, support us, and pray for us, people who don't have to say anything. All they have to do is walk in the living room and sit down on the couch with you and not say a word, but just them being there is all you need. Those are the kind of friends we need. And unfortunately, too many times I see people that don't build those kind of relationships, and then when catastrophe happens in their life, they're alone, and there's nobody there to comfort, encourage, and to be with them. That's why it's important that we build these strong friendships and relationships. The fifth, they, they, they gently correct you when you're wrong. You know, Proverbs 27, Solomon said, Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. You know, we need those kind of people, don't we? We all need people who walk into our life walk with us in the journey and say, you know what? Do you think that's the best decision? 
Do you think that's the wisest thing that you could be doing right now? Help me understand what your thinking is in doing this. We need people like that who will come alongside of us and point us in the right direction because we are all prone to wander, right? All prone to get off the path. So these are the kind of friends we need. So that's why connect groups are important. That's why the ladies' events are important. That's why the men's stakeout is important. It's not just because we got a bunch of steak we got to get rid of, and so we might as well feed it to the guys. You know, that's not the point. The point is to create a space where guys can meet other guys because, quite frankly, when you get out of high school, when you get out of college, it's kind of hard to meet good Christian guys. You know, and so you know, maybe you've got some at work, but if not, you know, wh- where are you going to meet them? And this is a fantastic place and a, and a wonderful way to meet them. So I encourage you to, to do that. That's why we do these things. At the end of the day, we learn from each other, and we need each other. And that's what Solomon is saying here to his son. He said in Proverbs 13, 20, walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffer harm. Right there. You can hang out with wise people and they're going to make you wiser. You hang around with a companion of fools and eventually you're going to suffer harm. So we go back here to chapter 1, Solomon warning his son that be careful because these people that you might be tempted to hang around with, they're going to lead you astray. Um, They're going to lead you down the wrong path. And that path that they lead you on will eventually lead to destruction. So, We all need to recognize that it could happen to any one of us. None of us is immune to stupid, right? We are all prone to doing something stupid. So we need people around us to keep us from making those bad decisions. And let's look at the third thing. Not only do we seek wise counsel and surround ourselves with godly friends and build those relationships in our life, but finally this morning, we need to wisely reject the lure of easy money. Verse 19, he said, such are the paths of all who go after ill-gotten gain. It takes away the life of those who get it. What's he saying? He's really saying greed will eventually destroy you. Greed. I didn't say wealth. I said greed. Greed will eventually destroy you. Here's a wise father advising and preparing his son. And he tells him about the world in which he lives. He tells his son what to expect and how to be prepared for it. He doesn't shield his son from the real world. Rather, he gives him advice on how to live in the real world. And he tells him here that, uh, my son, if you chase after greed, it will eventually destroy you. If you try to get money the wrong way at other people's expense it will eventually destroy you. If you use bad methods, wrong methods, sneaky methods to take from other people what would rightfully be theirs to get it for yourself, if you abuse people, if you cheat people, if you use people, it's going to end badly for you. That's what Solomon is saying here. He says, if your desire for money and possession requires that you hurt other people, then don't do it. You know, if he was writing this today in the 21st century, he might use a few different terms. He might say, my son, avoid get-rich-quick schemes. 
Stay away from pyramid schemes. Stay away from anything that's going to trick people out of their money. Don't, don't do things that are going to cause people to make an unwise investment just so that you can have a big payday. He said, watch out for those type of people. Don't get involved in joining in their misdeeds. Don't ambush people. Don't set a trap for people. He said, just don't do that. Be careful of this pursuit of, of wealth. There's nothing wrong with wealth as long as it comes from hard work. That's what we're going to see throughout the book of Proverbs. Wealth that comes from hard work is fine and dandy. But when you have to, when you have to use bad means to get it, then it turns into greed and that becomes a real problem. You know, in 30 years of ministry, I've seen get-rich-quick things filter through the church over and over and over again. I could name somebody, I'd offend everybody here if I did, you know. But I mean, it's just one thing after another. Oh, you know, sign up for this thing and, you know, you're going to have a downline and you're going to make a jillion dollars. And then, oh, now it's this one and now it's this one. Everybody know what I'm talking about? You've seen these things and, and, and for whatever reason, they, they prey on churches. And I just want you to know that I have zero tolerance for that. And if I sniff it out at Venture, you'll get a phone call from me because this is a place we come to worship God, not to peddle our wares. Amen? And the, so let's, let's not do that here because it you know, won't end well. Uh, uh, and, and, and really look at the motive behind what you're doing. Proverbs 10, verse 1 and 2 says, A wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son brings grief to his mother. Ill-gotten treasures have no lasting value, but righteousness delivers from the death. So here, the lure of easy money can make a person make some questionable decisions. Maybe it'll help you financially, but it's maybe not the best thing for the other person, or maybe it's not the right thing to do. And we see this today over and over again. People who bend the rules, people who stretch the truth, people who blur the lines, because at the end of the day, they're just trying to make an extra buck, and they don't care who gets hurt in the process. And, you know, my friends, we, we're Christians. We're called to be better. That shouldn't be who we are. We should do what's right every time. So sometimes, yeah, sometimes these people that do this, they win. And they do become extremely wealthy. But here's what we know at the end. One day they stand before God, and they're going to give an account for what they did. And uh, listen, if, if the price you have to pay to make a buck is to sacrifice your character, your honor, or your integrity, I'm here to tell you it isn't worth it. Don't do it. Solomon said in Proverbs 15, 27, the greedy bring ruin to their households, but the one who hates bribes will live. You know, bribes aren't something that we're necessarily accustomed to. In this country, I go to other countries. I've been in Nicaragua, been to Brazil, been to other countries, and a lot of times they do bribe people. The bribing is not so much what we do. Well, we, 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 we use a different word. We call it permits here. But <laughs> it's the same kind of a, same kind of a concept. But uh, so don't do that. Look at Luke 12, 15. Jesus, Jesus said this. Then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed because life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. You know, chasing after money, after possessions, after things, 
It's a terrible way to invest your life. At the end of the day, that's not what it's all about. Listen, I have stood at the deathbed of so many people in my life, and um, none of them are talking about their wealth. None of them are talking about their achievements. They're not, they're not surrounded by plaques and awards and trophies and certificates. None of that stuff becomes important when you get to the, the last and final stages and chapters of your life. It's at that point that you realize, you know, what's really important is the relationships that I've invested in, the people that I've poured into. That's what's important. Those, that, that's who I want around me is the people that, that love me and that I've poured into. So don't chase after possessions and money and things like that. When I think of Proverbs chapter 1 and somebody who illustrates this, uh, there's one person that came to my mind this week um, that I think is really the poster child uh, of what Proverbs 1 was talking about. This man was part of an amazing team. Uh, he was selected to be part of one of the greatest startup organizations that uh, really has ever been built. Uh, he had the opportunity to be under a fabulous mentor. He had a great group of friends. Uh, he had everything he needed to be successful. And yet, in the end, he followed the crowd, made a terrible decision, got lured into chasing money, and ended up losing everything. Now, you know this person. His name is Judas Iscariot. Judas made a commitment to Jesus, and there's no reason to think that he was anything but sincere in his faith at the beginning. Like the rest of the disciples, he left everything to follow Jesus. He was actively involved in ministry. He had some remarkable spiritual gifts. Uh, Judas was a great preacher. Uh, he had the gift of healing, and he exercised authority over demons. Jesus wa uh, Judas walked with Jesus for three years. He saw the greatest life that ever lived up close and personal. I mean, you can't have a better role model than Judas had in Jesus. You couldn't have a better environment for forming your faith than that which Judas had. He walked with the Savior. He directly witnessed the miracles. He was there when Jesus fed the 5,000. He was one of the ones that handed out the baskets with the bread and the fish. When Jesus calmed the sea, Judas was on the boat when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, Judas was in the crowd. Judas heard all of the teachings of Jesus. He heard the Sermon on the Mount firsthand. He heard Jesus talk about the narrow road that leads to life everlasting and the broad road that leads to destruction. With his own eyes, he saw the clearest of evidence. With his own ears, he heard the finest teaching. With his own feet, he followed the greatest example. And yet this was the man who betrayed Jesus. Let's go back and see what maybe he did wrong. Let's go to Solomon. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 10. We've already read it. My son, if sinful men entice you, do not give in to them. If they say, come along with us, let's lie in wait for innocent blood. Let's ambush some harmless soul. Let's swallow them alive like the grave, whole, like those who go down to the pit, we will get all sorts of valuable things and fill our houses with plunder. Cast lots with us, and we will share the loot. My son, do not go along with them. Do not set foot in their paths, for their feet rush into evil, and they are swift to shed blood. 
And yet Judas did just what Solomon warned against. He lied in wait for innocent blood. He cast his lot to share the loot for 30 pieces of silver. He played his part in shedding the blood of Jesus, his mentor and his friend. You know, I guess we need to realize that the lure of money is powerful. The lure of money is so powerful. It turned out to be a temptation that was just too strong for Judas. So he succumbed to the temptation. He betrayed Jesus. He betrayed his family. He lost his integrity for what? 30 pieces of silver. Anybody here think that was a good trade? And yet, how many times do we do the same thing? Oh, it's not 30 pieces of silver, but what is it for you? What is it that tempts you, that draws you, that pulls you? How much is it? What is it? What are you chasing after? Let's not follow in the footsteps of Judas. Let's listen to Solomon as he taught his son. Let's make wise choices. Let's not be influenced by evil people with bad desires. Let's not be tempted by the lure of money and possessions and greed. My goal for you is the same for it is for my kids, for my grandkids, and for each and every one of you, and that is that we would all walk on the pathway of success. A wise person listens to the advice of the wise, keeps their feet on the right path, and pursues godliness over greed. And my friends, if you'll do that, you'll experience the pathway of success. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. I pray for each person who's here today. Lord, it's possible that you were speaking to hearts even as I was preaching today. Maybe your Holy Spirit began to tap somebody on the shoulder and say, you know, you probably shouldn't do that. Probably need to get out of that situation. Probably need to stop hanging around with that person because they're going to lead you to do something bad. They're going to lead you in the wrong way. Maybe you're being drawn to chase after money and possessions and power. Maybe you just need to hear the words of Solomon as he talked to his son and said, listen, don't do that. Listen to the advice of your father. Listen to the advice of your mother. Listen to the advice of godly people around you. Watch out about the people you hang with. Make sure that you're listening to good and godly people that are pointing you in the right direction. And don't chase after money because it's not what it's it's not what it looks like. And it's not what life is all about. Maybe you're here this morning and for whatever reason you've resisted coaching, counseling, or getting help, or seeking advice. Maybe, maybe your issue is pride, but you just can't admit the fact that you could use some help. I hope today that the Holy Spirit has used the words of Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, to help you to see the fact that we all need, we all need that. We all need advice, counsel, and wisdom. And it's only wise to seek it from other people. So God, I don't know what each person here needed today, but I pray that each person heard something 
that they can take away today and apply to their life. And at the end of the day, Lord, that we'll all be wiser. We'll all make better decisions. We'll all keep our feet in the right path, surrounded by friends who are pointing us in the right direction. At the end of the day, we'll live a life that pleases you. Father, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.